Welcome to the Locked On Leafs Podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show while you're at it at Locked On Leaves. If you like what you hear today, please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a rating and a review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. It's draft day, folks. It's finally here. I know we were supposed to do this months ago, back in June, and, well, COVID hit the world, and it's here. It's finally here, so let's just get right back into it. Uh, We're going to pick up where we left off from yesterday's show. I know I didn't really do a good enough job explaining the fact that it's a two-parter, but really what happened was uh, (laughs) once me and Tony got chatting, it turned out to be like an hour and and 15, hour and 20-minute podcast. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to cut into two different shows. And uh, so yesterday was more of the prospect talk where we talked about some of the top guys who are going to be going in the first round today's show we're going to be talking a little bit more about um you know some guys who are late risers uh fallers a little bit in the drafts and some of tony's my guys some of those guys who he really really is banging the table for if he were in the uh you know one of the gms or one of the scouts here on these teams and then of course what you all were waiting for and what clearly you come to this podcast for We're finally going to talk about what the Leafs are going to do here in the draft. Uh, They've got the 15th overall pick in the draft. They acquired it from Kasperi Kapanen after losing out on 13 overall when they traded away uh, Patrick Marlowe. They had to accompany that draft pick to get rid of that cap space. Uh, But they were able to somehow get another top 15 pick back in this draft, which is pretty deep. We talked about it yesterday, how deep this draft is. And Tony, in a little bit, is going to discuss some of the guys who he believes will be in play here at 15 and who he thinks that the Leafs should go after. But enough babbling, let's get to it. Let's continue our conversation about the NHL draft and some of the prospects here and who the Leafs are going to select. Here's Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects. In conversation with Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects, uh, Tony, let's... Let's talk about some of these guys who uh, maybe at the bottom end of the first round or in the middle portion of the first round, some risers, some fallers. You know, who who are some guys who are maybe fell out of your top 10 and some guys who have risen into your top 10 to 15 range? Well, one of the guys that's kind of fallen down on the board a little bit is, is Connor Zari. And I don't think it's anything that he did necessarily wrong because he put up a really good year. He put up 86 points in 57 games. Um, but he was expected to come into that year because he, he, his scoring output went from 67 to 86, which is really impressive for, for a guy his age, but he's one of the older players for the draft class. So it was almost like everyone was like, oh, okay, yeah, we've seen you do this before. This is just, we don't need it anymore. Like he was a guy that everyone already had high expectations for. So he had to almost blow his expectations out of the water to kind of remain in that top 12, 12 top 13 range that he was in. Um, me right now on my board, he's at 17 on the Dauber press board. He's at 16. So it's not like he's had some astronomical drop by any means, but he has kind of been the guy that no one's talking about really in in the draft this year. And, and I think that's kind of a, it sucks for him because he had a really good year. Like I said, 86 points in 57 games is nothing to laugh about. He had almost 40 goals, almost 50 assists. And he did exactly what everyone wanted. His his skating has been knocked, but I think it's been a little bit, a little bit overblown but he's just so smart at creating space in the offensive zone. He has some defensive warts, but you can tell he's got the IQ. So I think that defensive game is within reach. Uh, Another guy that kind of fell on our board was Dylan Holloway. 
And I, I'm a big fan of this kid's potential because he's just a really high compete, high skill player. He's got excellent hands and vision. Uh, he's a really, really good skater. He's got a powerful stride and he, he's really shifty on his edge work. He's got a ton of agility and he's not undersized by any means. Um, the big thing with him is he played on that disaster of a Wisconsin team this year. Um, it was tough. Like he played with Cole Caulfield, Alex Turcott, Keandre Miller, and these guys at that program this year in, in the NCAA. And uh, like, I don't have talented names there for a team that struggled. Oh, it was a ton of talent and going into the year, everyone expected them to be good. And as the year went on, I was pulling my hair out and I don't have any, like it was so <laughs> tough to watch at times like that. The system they were running was just not good. And, and these players kind of, it almost felt like they were playing isolation hockey. Like if you've ever watched like the Houston Rockets play isolation basketball, where they'll give the ball to James Harden, they'll give the ball to Russell Westbrook and, and they take the game over from their, from their position. And everyone just kind of clears out to the sides and says, all right, these guys are playing one-on-one. That's almost what Wisconsin seemed to do at times this year. And it bugged the crap out of me because there'd be so many times where I'm like, man, if you put some of this talent together, you would have a really good team, but they were sh- constantly shifting the lines and they're constantly just kind of toying with things. And, they were just like, go do it, go, go play offense. It, it didn't seem to work. So I think with Dylan Holloway, there's a lot of, man, what, what was he last year? And, and if he's actually that player, then we wanted to draft him high. But what we've seen this year wasn't what we expected. And what we've seen this year kind of wasn't the player that he was. So he's a risk because you have that, that promise and you, you thought you know what kind of player he was. And then he didn't really show it this year. So I think there's some risk with it, but he's still a guy that he has all the tools to be a really good producing NHL top six center or winger. A player who I'm kind of interested in, because he fell down the rankings quite a bit here uh, after the season. And that's a guy like Jack Quinn. What's the reason for that? And how far down do you think he could fall? Jack Quinn's an interesting prospect and I've kind of been labeled a Jack Quinn hater all year. And I, I get it because I haven't been the most positive guy about him. And <laughs> in the, the thing with, with Jack Quinn is I think he, he gets a lot of credit for his goal scoring and he gets a lot of credit for that 52 goals he put up And, and I, there's no denying that he, he put up 52 goals and that's really impressive in the OHL, especially in your draft year. Like the kid's a stud, but he went from 12 goals to 52 and that's a huge jump. And, and he kind of had, he, a lot more goals and assists, 52 goals and only 37 assists is, is a bit of a concern for me because it kind of gives me a feeling like what is he doing to not really be driving play outside of his own stick? And he's not that, that Cole Caulfield guy or the, the Alexander Holtz who can just generate shots and goals on his own. I think his, his shot got overrated a lot this year. And I, I think he's a good goal scorer, but I don't think he's a 52 kind of goal scorer. And I think he's going to get some expectations at the NHL level with just the common fans seeing that and going, you know what, this is the next big goal scorer for our team. He's going to score 40 at the NHL level. And I don't quite think he's at that level of prospect. I think he's going to be a really good middle six guy. I think he's going to be a, a good NHL player because the things that he does really good that I've noticed in this game aren't the things he gets credit for. Like, I think he, he does a really good job on some of the little intricacies defensively. He's always in good position. He's got a pretty good stick. And he kind of understands that stuff like that. And I, I really like the little things he does in board battles and just the way he kind of – He's not necessarily the driver in transition, but he's the perfect little bumper player. He provides an outlet and gets the puck off his stick really quick. So I think he gets not enough credit for some of the things he does well in too much credit for some of the things that the stat sheet kind of tells us. 
let's uh, let's stop talking negatively. Let's talk a little positively. Let's talk about some of the risers here in the draft late in the process. Who are some guys who have really risen up the boards here late in the stages of this 2020 draft season, which has been much longer than anyone anticipated it being. <laughs> oh, it's felt like 10 years at times. No. <laughs> we're here, but, man. We're, we're, it's, it's draft day. We're here, though. Yeah, we're almost there. Oh, just get through it. But no, one of my favorite players and one of the guys that's risen up the boards a lot this year is Jacob Perot. Played for the Sarnia Sting this year. He was listed as a center, but he didn't play center at all. He's a right winger. Um, he's got sky-high potential. This kid, like I said earlier, one of the things I really look forward to in a player is, is how much they've improved over the year. And, and, and did they take those steps from the concerns we had in their U-17 season and their draft minus one year? And, and did they improve on that stuff in, for their draft year? And Jacob was a, Perot was a guy that did that tenfold. In his draft season or in his draft minus one season, he struggled as a skater. He he's a he's got a really good shot. He might have the second best shot in the entire draft behind Alexander Holtz. But his issue was that he wasn't able to move his feet. He wasn't really moving around the ice very much. And 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 that was an issue. That was a real concern. And that had a lot of people having him outside the first round. But the, the thing was he came back this year and he was a much improved skater. Like one of the things that everyone noticed right away was how much faster he was, how much cleaner on his edges he was. There's still some technical issues to, to kind of clean up like his hip fle- or his knee flexion and ankle flexion is kind of not there where you'd want it to be. That could really generate that next level power and next level speed. But when he was at the, the OHL prospects games and stuff, he competed up against, up against John Luke Foody in some of the speed drills. And John Luke Foody is a burner. We all know him as that's his skill. He's got a speed guy And John Jacob Perot beat him. He beat him in some of the agility drills. He beat him in the out, just outright speed drills and Jacob Perot really started to prove to people that, hey, maybe this kid has improved his skating. And that's something a lot of people haven't credited him for this year. I think this kid is, could be a top 10 talent in this draft class. I have him at 14 on my board. He's at 17 on the Dauber Prospects board. And this kid is a stud. I love everything this kid does. Um, his defensive game, it, it needs work. There's no doubt about that. But there, there were signs that he was trying to improve that as well. On, and he was playing on a, a rough team. Sarnia wasn't the best. And and sometimes there was some issues defensively with that entire team. So you can't fault him solely for that. But this kid's got a ton of potential. I think the skill set and the tools that this kid has from his creativity as a playmaker to his just his skill, puck skills with the puck on his stick, this kid's got a lot of potential. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's a guy that teams take a lot higher than they expect him to. One other player I got to ask you about quickly, and it's your boy, Jan Myshak. Where did he end up on your list? On my list, he's he's at number nineteen right now, and on the on the Dauber prospects list, he got he was pushed down a little bit further, and he's at twenty six. Um, this kid's I, I think this kid gets a lot of hate that he doesn't really deserve because he he kind of came over in the middle of the year and and he, he was a stud at first on the stat sheet. On, on the stat sheet, he had eleven goals in his first ten games. There was no issues with that, and, and people loved him when they were just looking at the stat sheet. And then when you watch the games, there there were flash, flashes of what he could do and what he could really kind of drive the offensive game but him and Arthur Kaliev didn't really mesh right away um there was there was some kind of issues there because Jan Myshak was used to playing that pro game like he was doing in the Czech Republic but he came over here to get the more opportunity so he wanted to continue playing that pro style game and being a really good back checker and being a responsible player on both sides of the puck And Arthur Kaliev as we all know has got that great shot and he doesn't really need to be all that responsible on the other side of the puck so th- there were times that they didn't really mesh well, but once they kind of clicked, 
it kind of really got going. And Myshek finished the OHL season with 25 points in 22 games. So it's just over a point a game, 15 goals. The kid was on fire at times. Like he was one of my favorite players to watch in the OHL because like I said, he was able to kind of control the game at both ends of the ice. I really liked his two-way game. Um, there's going to be some stuff that he has to work on in terms of getting that that speed up with his footwork and everything. But I, I think we, we've seen him a few times in the summer playing for, for the Czech national junior team. And, and some of those speed has, has kind of showed up. So I'm really intrigued to see where he goes because he's been kind of all over the board. We'll get back to this draft chat, but first let me tell you guys a little bit about Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see the parts available for your car, truck, and write locked on on their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone's always craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. With over 300,000 partners in U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees off of your first order when you download the app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Uh, let's move out of the first round a little bit and go a little bit deeper into the draft because every single draft pundit always has their guy. Like that was my guy. I had him so much higher on my list than you did. Like I can remember a, a guy like Patrick Pistula last year, a lot of draft, you know, like draft Twitter had him as potential first round pick and he didn't end up going until much later in the draft. Uh, I know that the least pick Nick Robertson was a first rounder in a lot of eyes of draft Twitter, but then fell into the second round. And a lot of guys like, yeah, that makes sense. And weren't surprised when he ended up having a fantastic D plus one year and became a, a top prospect for the Maple Leafs. Who are some of those guys in that range for you, who you believe are, are, you know, fringe first rounders who maybe aren't looked at that way and could go much later in the draft. Well, I've got two forwards in particular that I'm a really big fan of. And, and one's gotten a ton of press from, from the Twitter scouts and everything like that. And that's Murat Kuznadinov, the Russian center. He's got so much skill and so much speed. Uh, this kid's just, you watch him play and you just know he's good at hockey. He, he understands the game at a high level and you kind of, he's always in the right spot. 
He's a good four checker. He's a good transitional player. Um, the concerns with his, his high end skill and, and can he really get generate all that high end skill at the, the next level? Cause he does play at the MHL level is, is, is there. So the concerns are, are warranted and I don't kind of shy away from those, but the upside with this kid and the skill with this kid, he's got so much speed and we've seen him play a few games at the KHL level this year. And, uh, they kind of came in weird circumstances where like 90% of the team had COVID. So they called up half the junior team and they, he played w- really well against men. Like he, there were a few times where he just drove by men, put his shoulder down, kind of pushed by with his speed, skill and strength. And, and he's a smaller player. So if he's doing that to men at the KHL level, you got to kind of think as he develops into his, his, his body a little bit. And he, as he gets a little stronger, even if he does have a little bit of an undersized frame, he's going to be able to start to do some of that stuff at the next level. So I think he's one of these guys that I have him personally ranked at, at 21 on my board. He's at 27 on the Dauber Prospects board, but most people have him outside the first round. And there's a lot of people that, that I know teams I've talked to and I've kind of brought him up just as, as a question. And, and there, there are North American scouts that don't even know who this kid is. Wow. So I, I wouldn't even be shocked if, if he goes in the like, mid to late second rounds because there's the Russian factor, there's the MHL's the disaster factor, and there's the fact that, he's just he's a smaller player there's no doubt about it like teams still value size so much and, and that kind of leads me into the second guy that that i have for you and that's tyler tulio of the oshawa generals this kid's been my favorite player for a year and a half two years now I, i've liked this kid since his rookie year in the ohl um he's got so high of a motor so much creativity and craftiness and, and they make him one of the my favorite second round picks this year on my board he's at 35 on the dollar price board he's at 45 and I think this kid can be a real high-end prospect. He, he had 66 points in 62 games for the Oshawa Generals this year. And he wasn't necessarily the star on every night, but he was productive on every night. He filled a role every night. He, he knew what you wanted him to do, and he just did it. He was really good defensively. He doesn't get a ton of credit for his defensive game because of some of the flashy creative plays he does in the offensive zone. Um, I think he has a long-term future as a center because his two-way play and his IQ is just – it's legit. And one of the things that he gets knocked for a lot is that he's listed at 5'9 in most places. And I, I've kind of said this a couple of times, and I, I've been to an informal skate where uh, he was one of the skaters here in Windsor, and he's not 5'9 anymore. Like, I'm f- almost 5'11. I'm 5'10 and three quarters. I always say that. And, <laughs> and, and he's as taller, taller than me now. So there, there's going to be a team that looks at him and goes, oh, I don't want to draft this 5'9 kid. And they take someone a little bit bigger just because of the size, and they're really going to miss out on a prospect that I think is going to be a, a – talented nhl player that could really be a middle six center that you just that just drives the heart and soul of your team like i love the way this kid plays i wouldn't be shocked if he's wearing a letter at the nhl level in the future and those are the guys and the picks that you know winning teams make right they make those picks in the second you know late second round third round that turn out to be studs for their team and turn out to be really good role players maybe not top line players but solid role players you saw in the in the stanley cup final this year all the role guys that played for for dallas and tampa super super deep lineups um both defensively and offensively so and that all starts at the draft at the end of the day so for teams to be able to identify these players and and to be able to get them um later in the draft is is always always beneficial so i'll be keeping an eye on those two and see where they end up where they end up going and hey if they end up falling a little bit down your board and two, three years down the road, they turn out to be good players. Kind of like you look at, Oh, what third round pick Braden point. What is he four years after being drafted? And, and he's basically a, a con Smythe finalist. Like 
it could happen. You know, they have these players that go late in the in the second, third, fourth, fifth. I mean, you get guys in the seventh round that turn out to be studs, right? So it's it's I love the draft. You never know what can happen. Um, but the best teams always find the best talent, and we'll see where those two kids end up. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. Deliciouser? Delicious? Doesn't matter. It tastes great. They've got 18 amazing flavors, some nut, some nut-free, and they got six brand new flavors. I'm talking caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, and almond apple crisp. It sounds delicious. I've had some of these. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss out on these new Built Bar flavors. They also got their 12 originals. You know, the raspberry, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, and my personal favorite, peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, but best of all, the Built Bars are healthy. The Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy who wants to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. Let's talk a little bit about this peanut butter bar that they got. 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs it's fantastic it tastes great it's healthy and trust me you're not going to want to miss out on this opportunity because built bar is giving you ten dollars off if you use the code locked on and guess what if you can go ahead right now and this may only last for limited time only but with every single purchase you'll get yourself a free cooler a free cooler just go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we just avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional, we can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoma.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoma.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoma.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoma.com slash LockedOnNHL. But let's get to uh, let's get to what the Leafs could possibly do here. This is kind of this is what everyone's been waiting for. Let's be honest. Here at the Lockdown Leafs, we had to do our due diligence by talking about everything else, all the players, all the prospects, all the teams. But realistically, all people want to know is what the heck are the Leafs doing at fifteen? Man, the fifteenth pick is a really fun spot for the Leafs to be in. I, I think like. It's awesome that they don't really lose that much with the, the Marlowe trade because of this this pick that they've been gifted from Pittsburgh for the Kasperi Kapanen trade. But like they could have been picking at 13th. They're picking at 15th. They're in a great spot because there's going to be guys in that top 10, 12 that fall down a little bit. 
a guy like Anton Lindell could realistically fall. Like I wouldn't be shocked if I seen that because there's so many people that have concerns about his offensive upside. I just, I think it's ridiculous. This kid has a good shot. He's a good playmaker. I think he's going to be fine at the NHL level. Like maybe he doesn't get to being Ryan O'Reilly, but he's going to be in that mold. And this is a player that I love. So maybe he falls, but in players that kind of in that range for 15, Jacob Perot is one of these guys that I wouldn't mind them taking a chance on. Uh, Rodian Amirov is a fun, fun and uh, Russian Russian winger. Sorry, um, he played in the KHL a little bit. He played in the MHL, and when he was playing in the MHL, he was tearing things up. He was just a guy that was just better than the rest of that league on a nightly basis. Uh, he's so good in transition, like he's William Nylander levels of transitional play, and and he's one of those guys that really drive the play that way. Um, he's a good he's a good playmaker. I think he's got one of the best like saucer passes in the entire draft. He's able to put it, put the puck on a guy's stick through traffic with ease. And he does it so often in the MHL and he's starting to do it at the KHL level. Last year, he wasn't productive at all in the KHL. It just wasn't there for him, but he was doing things the right way. You could see that something was there, even though it wasn't getting finished off and he didn't play a full season there any means. So it wasn't like it was just putrid offensively all year. Cause when he had the chances against his age group, he was perfectly fine. And this year, he's starting to show a little bit more of that production in the KHL. He's starting to show that he's, he's able to play in that men's game, and he's, he's going to be good there. So I think he's another guy that, that's really going to intrigue there. But I think my pick would be Seth Jarvis. If Seth Jarvis makes it to 15, and, and not, one of these other guys like Askarov or Lundell or, or Rodian Amirov don't really fall to that spot, Seth Jarvis would be an awesome player to add to this forward core for the Leafs. Um, he's a guy that may, maybe he's a one year away because you can put him, you can kind of hide him on, on the Leafs forward roster, but he, he's going to be that high end offensive playmaker. I think he's, he's got a little bit of that Mitch Marner shiftiness in his game, but the skill level isn't quite as high, but he's got the ability to really just, if you put him on the line with Tavares and you go, you know what, Tavares get to the net, Seth Jarvis is going to find you. That's a perfect spot for him. He's going to be able to bang pucks in. Seth Jarvis is a crafty goal scorer too. So he doesn't have a huge shot, but he, he gets to the middle of the ice. He's got great hands. He deeks guys all the time. And he won't be able to do that at the NHL level as much, obviously, but he's going to be able to do it at times. And when he does it, he gets to the middle of the ice. He always deeks to the middle of the ice and gets there. And, and when he gets the shot off, if he gets it off clean, he's able to pinpoint a corner or pinpoint just under the goalie's arm and he gets a, a good shot. So I think he's a guy that can really add to that forward group because I don't want to reach on a defenseman at this point, to be completely honest. I know there's a lot of love for Braden Schneider and, and I'll admit like I wasn't a huge fan of Braden Schneider. And then I went into this deep dive on Dauber prospects and it warmed me up to his game a bit. Like I didn't dislike his game as much because I do think there are tools to be a bit, a bit more of an offensive player there. And one of the things I found really interesting with him was that when he shot from the home plate area, his shooting percentage was ridiculous. I think it was just over 30%. Like it was like, I was completely blown away when I seen that, but he's a defenseman that doesn't really push the pace of play and doesn't really drive into those areas very often. So despite, I think he had nine goals in that area. It wasn't something that he was doing very often. So he's a guy that likes to throw the puck in from the point. And I think he's good enough to be a first round pick. I just think with this draft class, there's so much skill up front that reaching on a defender after Jamie Drysdale and Jake Sanderson, it's going to happen, but I really prefer it not be the Leafs. Sadly, uh, I think Schneider may end up being that pick, though. He's kind of the the – in every mock draft I've looked at, Schneider's that guy, right? The Leafs desperately needing a right-hand shot defenseman who could play in his own zone, who's got size, and that's something that Schneider has. Plus, you know, the – the fact that he's, um, you know, one of the oldest, he's what, what, like 
days away from being in last year's yep. draft. So the fact that he's basically a, a 2019 eligible player, meaning he's probably a lot closer to the NHL than some of these other guys who are going to be in that range. And for a team who's going to be up against the cap, somebody who can fill in at, at a very cheap rate, a very, you know, an entry-level contract and be able to play almost right away, if not only one year out as opposed to a couple seasons out, that's got to be attractive if you're the Leafs. It's certainly going to be. And if they do make the pick of Braden Schneider, I don't think it's going to be a bad pick because there's definitely reasons to do it. Like you mentioned the cap concerns that are going to be there, especially with the flat cap over the next few seasons. And I do think Braden Schneider is closer to the NHL than almost any other defenseman in this draft class. I think outside of Sanderson and Drysdale, he's definitely the guy that I think could be in the NHL within a year. But I think the problem is that when you, dra- when you start really drafting for need and you start reaching on guys, and while I don't think Braden Schneider's a huge reach, I have him at 23 on my board, and he's at 20 on the Dauber Prospects board. I don't think it's going to be a, a massive reach if they take him at 15. And I think there are elements to his game. But my concern with, with doing that reach, even if it is just a small one, is that you don't know exactly where you're going to be in a year or two years. Timothy Lilligren may come up next year and prove to be a lot better than we all expect defensively because that's something I think he's improved on this year. And I think his game has really taken a step that way. So I think Timothy Lilligren's probably your answer because even if Braden Schneider does play in the NHL in a year, it's going to be on that same sheltered role that Timothy Lilligren or Rasmus Sandin are going to be in. It's going to be that same sheltered role where you can put him on the penalty kill, but do you really want him playing on your top penalty kill? He's going to be a 19, 20-year-old defenseman that doesn't have that elite skating, that elite really ability to move the puck. And that's a concern for me in today's NHL because there's so many guys that are that big, stocky defenseman that while they definitely provide value on your team, they don't play the same role that they played 10 years ago. So a guy like Tyler Myers is certainly a valuable player. And I think he proved that at times with Vancouver this year. But at the same time, paying that much for him wasn't the best decision. And I think investing that, that same level of draft capital in Braden Schneider might be a little bit of a mistake. And while you're going to get a good player with Schneider, I think he's one of the more surefire bets of this draft. You may be looking back in five years and being like, yeah, we drafted him at 15th overall and he's a top 25 player for the draft class, but we passed on player A, B, and C who were definitely in the range that we could have drafted. Right, right. Uh, I, I mean, realistically, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Leafs don't end up making this pick. There's still time for them to make a trade, and oh, yeah. they could easily get their start. What's going to be interesting is that usually a lot of conversation happens on the draft floor, right? And that's how we see a lot of stuff happening. You know, GMs will go over to you know another GM's table, sit there, start talking, or you'll see them walk over and 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 have a quick chat, see what they're thinking. That's not going to be happening this year because it's all going to be done virtually. Uh, do you think that might limit uh, limit trading potentially this year than than other years? Yeah, I think it might because like I I was watching a bit of Steve Eiserman's press conference the other day, and I know Kyle Lubis is going to be talking today probably when this is released, or and it, it's going to be it. They both kind of are going to say the same thing where we're going to be in a room with our scouting team or by ourselves with on Zoom with our scouting team or whatever it may be, and we're going to be on the phone constantly. We're going to have three or four phones going, but how much you're not going to get that same communication. Like you're going to put this person on hold to talk to this person. And then they're going to be on the phone with another person. And it's going to get to be a bit of a mess. And I don't think there's going to be as much movement this year in terms of draft pick trades, but I could certainly see a a situation where two teams kind of 
dial in and lock in on a, a trade talk for, for players for picks more than kind of moving up and down the draft board. I think it's more going to be, hey, we have this second-round pick that we're kind of offering tomorrow for player X. And that's going to be the conversation driver where guys kind of lock in on one, on one screen essentially and, and talk to another GM because trying to juggle four or five different screens, trying to juggle four or five different phones, I, I think it's going to be a disaster in, in that sense. So I, I think it's going to be a little less movement in terms of picks moving up and down. I don't think Askarov will be there at 15, but if he is, does Toronto take the goaltender? Yes, I would take him. Is like, <laughs> it's for me. As soon as he gets outside the top ten, I see no reason not to take him. I think every other prospect in that range is going to take as long or longer to get to the NHL. Maybe with the exception of a guy like Connor Zari or Braden Schneider, because they are a little bit older for the draft class. But it's it's the value there. It, this kid's a stud. Like I said earlier, he's he's on a different level from any other goaltending prospect. He he really is. He's a pro goaltender already. Um, if he's playing meaningful minutes for you in two years, I think the Leafs would love that because like, like we kind of talked about earlier, if you can get a goalie to play meaningful games on an entry level deal, that's gold. And if you can get him to play meaningful games on a, a second deal where you're only paying him six and a half million or 5 million, even if he's like the best goaltender on an entry level deal you've ever seen, that's, that's a situation that Toronto could really thrive under. So I think he's a guy that Toronto should definitely target if, if he's there at 15. Well, I mean, even Vasilevsky was only making, what, three and a half up until this year um, yep. off of his second contract. So, you know, it, it it happens. And I don't know, maybe it'll things will change when Carter Hart gets his big ticket because I guarantee you he's going to get paid next year. And maybe things change by the time that that contract is up. But um, definitely, I'm with you. If, if he's there at 15, you scoop him up and the Leafs have their goalie of the future, certainly. And, and then they just kind of deal with the next two years the way that they want. And uh, knowing that in a couple of years, they got themselves a pretty good one coming in. Um, let's go down, uh, down to 44. Give me a group of players that you think might be a good fit for Toronto at 44. Well, I mentioned a couple of them in, in, in Marek Kuznodinov and Tyler Tulio, who I think would be awesome picks there. But a few other players there could be like a guy like John Luke Foodie, who played in Windsor this year. I got to see him a lot over the last couple of years because I'm, I'm, that's where I'm located. And he's, he was the top 20-ranked prospect on most boards going into the year. And that Windsor team really struggled, especially in the second half of the year. So his stats really didn't kind of climb to the levels we all thought he would. And, and his calling card is speed, skating, and skill. He is a, a great playmaker. He drives the puck to the middle of the ice a lot. But he was on a line with, with some slower, unskilled players at times that really kind of hampered his ability to produce. And he's not a goal scorer, so he's not going to really – generate goals on his own but he's going to put the puck on your stick and in the slot and in dangerous areas and if you can kind of cash in on that he's going to be an excellent excellent productive player but he didn't get that chance this year uh another guy that i could see going in that range is like brock Faber. he played for the u.s national team program again this year and he was a, he's kind of like jake sanderson light that's how i've described him a lot this year he doesn't necessarily have the high-end offensive upside or doesn't really have the offensive upside that, that Jake Sanderson has. And in terms of like, we can kind of project Sanderson out to, to maybe be a second power play guy and be a guy that's somewhat productive on your top pairing. Whereas Brick, Brock Faber, I think he's a second pairing, third pairing guy that can kind of play the game in almost that Travis Dermott mold where he's going to be aggressive. He's, he's going to be more than willing to kind of close in at the blue line and stop that transitions and, and really stuff the play before it gets involved in the offensive zone or in the offensive zone. And he's going to be a feisty player along the boards. I think he's got a little bit more of a, a, a push, push to his game than Travis Dermott does. 
Um, I, I think he's got a little bit more strength to his game than Travis Dermott does because we, we've seen Travis Dermott so many times over the last couple of years. He's trying to get that, that edge to his game. And he's trying to develop that like jerk mentality, but he, he's not, he got the size and the strength to really do it. So he, he's kind of more of a pest than a, a real enforcer on the back end. And I think Brock Faber has a, a chance to be a bit more of that physical defender that can really kind of close in on guys, but he's got the skill to move the puck as well, which Travis Dermott also does. So I think he's an ideal second, third pairing defender that could, could be picked up in that range. Um, one of the other guys I'm kind of intrigued about is, is Joel Bloomfist. He's a goalie from Finland. He's really structured. And I think Toronto is going to draft a goalie this year. I think they, they kind of see the need to draft and develop a high-end goalie. And, and I think they look at guys like Joseph Wall and Ian Scott and go, okay, they're good goalies. They're, they're good prospects. But we don't really have a, a goalie of the future truly yet. And I think Joel Bloomfist could be that because I think in most years, he's probably your top goalie. I, I don't... Askarov's a special talent, and he's, he's a franchise-level goaltender, if, if I've ever seen one. But Joel Blumkus is that, that really high-end starter that I think could be a really good goalie at the NHL level. So he's got this – he's a little bit smaller. He's one, so it's not like he's completely undersized or anything. But he, he's still growing a little bit. He's still got that size, and he's, he looks bigger in his net than he actually is. He's a guy that, like, when I see him in net, I almost look and I go, man, that's like a 6'3", 6'4", goalie. So when I found out he was only 6'1", I was a little surprised because he covers the net so well. And he gets his chest up. He's really makes himself big. And, and I love that about him. He's, he's moves laterally really good. So I think he's a goalie Toronto could target in that range as well. Really quickly, I think the Maple Leafs don't have a lot of prospect capital. So this is going to be a decent draft for them to try and uh, get that, whether it's at 15, 44, maybe they trade back at some points, pick up some more picks and, and uh, try and build up that prospect depth that they, they once had, but no longer do. Uh, but let's talk a, briefly about some of the prospects that are still there. Obviously, Nick Robertson is going to elevate himself to the big club next season. I think everybody expects that to happen. So with that, that's your number one prospects. That's really the best prospect that the Leafs had by probably a good margin. But who are some other guys that might get you excited who you think could have a, a prosperous NHL career in the Leafs system right now? Uh, I, I really like a guy like Miko Kokonen. Miko Kokonen is this kind of meat and potatoes defender on the back end. He plays on the Finnish national teams whenever they get a chance. And he plays really good for his club team. And he's just a guy that you look at and you go, that's a top four defenseman. He's not a top pairing defenseman. He's going to be on your second pairing. And he's, I, I kind of compare him to Jake Muzzin with, without the, the big bite. He's, he's got a little bite. He's going to be able to close guys off at the boards. And he's going to be able to kind of really be physical with players and use his size and, and physicality but he's not going to be the guy that really crushes guys. Like I, I look back at that hit in the playoffs where he crushed a guy in front of the net in, in the Columbus series. Well, it wasn't really playoffs play ins, but he crushed a guy kind of in, right in front of the net and Columbus fans went crazy. And, and that's the kind of thing that, that Miko Kokonen maybe doesn't do. He, he'll close it off at the boards and he'll use his stick to kind of break up a play and whatnot, but he's not going to crush a guy. I, I think he's a guy that can really develop into a good NHL player though. But one of the guys that I really kind of kind of started to appreciate last year was Nick Abrazizi. He plays in the NCAA, and he was really skilled. He, he surprised me with how much speed and skill he actually has. And I think he's a player that can maybe kind of sneak into the top five Leaf prospects this year and, and kind of start to put his name on, on, on a name out for himself. Uh, I think, uh, let's, let's wrap it right there because this is going to be a, a long, long couple of days here as the draft is finally, finally here. Um, 
lastly, I just want one fiery hot take. Something you think could possibly happen tonight out of left field, whether it's a big trade, somebody who falls pretty darn far, or somebody who you think maybe end up get taken a lot sooner than anybody ever expected to happen. I just want one fiery hot take, and we'll see if it comes true. Give it to me. All right, I'll give you two. I'll give you a Leafs take and a non-Leafs take. So my Leafs take, I actually gave on Twitter today because Dauber Prospects tweeted out, give us your spicy take. And I said, Anton Lundell and Yaroslav Askarov both fall to 15, and the Leafs have to make a choice there. And in that situation, you're choosing between that elite defensive center, maybe you're Ryan O'Reilly or, or you're Vasilevsky, and you really got to decide what you're valuing there between those two players. Uh, I think I, I probably... I don't know where I go. I, I don't know where I would go if that were to happen. Yeah, Maybe Wendell? No, yeah, was, you need the goaltender. Oh, my God, that's such a tough one. Yeah, that's kind of my leaning, too, is I lean Lundell initially, but, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, come on, do it. Don't, be, don't chicken out. Just do it. <laughs> so, I, 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 I don't know. That's a tough one. But my non-leafs take is that U.S. national team defenseman Tyler Clevin gets drafted in the first round. Um, he's a guy that depending on the scout you talk to is a first round pick. Um, he's not even in my top 100 personally, hmm. but I definitely see him as a possibility in the first round. He's got a ton of size. He's six foot five. I think um, he's, he's this guy that gets a lot of credit for being a really defensive stout defenseman. My issue is he's got a little bit of Martin Marinch in him when he gets the puck on the stick. And, and it really concerns me. And, and a lot of scouts I talk to say, oh, well, that can kind of come up. We can, we can work on that. And I'm like, I'd rather not. So I probably wouldn't draft him in the first round. He's a, he's a good defenseman, but he's a huge project in my opinion. He's got the tools and he hasn't been playing hockey as long as a lot of these kids have. He only, if I'm not mistaken, he only started playing hockey at 11 years old. So he doesn't have the same kind of runway as all these other guys. So maybe there is something there, but that's just a guy I'm willing to take on on in maybe the third or fourth round. And I've talked to teams personally that have said, Oh, that's a first round prospect. So I wouldn't be shocked if he goes. Well, we'll see where he ends up. Uh, Tony, thanks so much for, for taking the time to chat with us today. Yeah, no problem. I always enjoy coming on with you, Mikey. Awesome. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Tony, got anything you want to plug? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari. Follow Dauber Prospects. And uh, I actually have a podcast now as well, the Dauber Draftcast. Myself and Yoki Nevalainen, our European scout. Uh, we we kind of go back and forth on that on draft prospects every week. We just released an episode that had basically our full draft meeting. It was almost a four hour meeting. I condensed it down to about three hours, but it's it's a ton of fun because you get coverage on basically 120 prospects or so that were kind of in the discussion for our top 100, which is also up on the website now. So Dauber prospects at the Tony Ferrari. You can find everything there. I'm always tweeting about it and follow me for the draft because I'll be tweeting all day that day. If you are a draft nut, just like I am. Definitely go ahead, follow Tony, subscribe to his podcast because I guarantee you the fall, the next week and a half, next couple of weeks, it's going to be fire, fire, fire about what is going to be going on over the next couple of days here at the 2020 NHL draft, which finally is here and will come to an end uh, in the next little bit. Uh, if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest news around the entire league. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode for you tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.